right side to Chubb. Chubb over the 50. Chubb to the 45. Chubb to the 40. Down the sideline, 30. 25, 20. 15, 10, 5. There he goes. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Yes, just three Sundays to go now until the Cleveland Browns take on the Carolina Panthers in the week one of the NFL season. The season is getting ever closer and the Cleveland Brits are once again here to give you a bit of a bit of light relief, shall we say, in amongst the hectic off season. I'm once again joined by Sean. Sean, good to have you back, mate. How are you today? All good, mate. Appreciate uh you're covering me last week, mate, at uh, short notice. But yeah, good to be back, mate. Looking forward to talking some Browns. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that you were you, you missed a potentially dodgy one last week um, with it being uh, very schedules and ban related. But it turns out that you couldn't get out of it completely because we'll have a bit more on that in a bit. Uh, Jen, how are you? I'm all good. All good here. Yeah? Yes. Good to hear a wine. And you? I hear that you've had a pretty busy day yourself bud yeah uh just non-stop looking at screens all day so i've decided to look at one for another another <laughs> hour with you lot so yeah yeah it's a good job you contractually obliged mate that's all i'm gonna <laughs> say get the fully guaranteed money down first and then you complain that's the way to do it uh let's uh let's crack on then with some cleveland browns news to kick us off and uh for the fourth episode in a row chaps let's talk some to sean watson but and here's a bit of a here's a bit of a klaxon moment this will be the last time we probably talk about him in any sort of newsreel for about two months oh that is a kiss of death if ever i've heard <laughs> According to the league, it's done. It is settled. It is finally put to bed. This is, I assume, the exact words that Roger Goodell said when he negotiated a settlement with Deshaun Watson's team in the NFLPA. 11 games and a $5 million fine. He will return week 13 against the Houston Texans. Here's just a reminder of the games he'll miss for those of you who haven't already had it rammed down your throats for the last week. Carolina away, Jets at home, Steelers at home, the Falcons away, Chargers at home, Patriots at home, Ravens away, Bengals home, bye week, Dolphins away, Bills away, Bucks home. So those are the games of which he'll miss. Now, Sean, you weren't here last week for our predictions pod, but I'll sort of give you a a little rundown as to what that entire hour basically showed us, of which is that all three of us have rather differing opinions on how good Jacoby Brissett is. We all have differing opinions on whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo would be any better. And we all have differing opinions as to whether or not Deshaun Watson will actually be a factor or not. So as you can see, we came to very little consensus. But the general vibe is that with Jacoby Brissett, we'd end up with about somewhere in the region of five to six wins in that 11 game window would you say that's fair i'd say that's fair um the one thing i would say is that i think the 
defence is going to be the side of the ball that wins and loses us games. I think it's good enough to keep us competitive in games, with possibly the exception of the run defence. We'll probably talk about that when we talk about the pre-season showing yesterday, which showed up those glaring holes yet again. However, if I look at that schedule, I run down it. You know, where's the first decent running game against us? Week six, the Patriots, they ran the ball down their throats last year. So the Patriots got a good run game. The Ravens have always got a good run game. Joe Mixon always runs well against us. There's a three-game stretch there. But in general terms, if you look at it, none of the teams that we're up against are particularly run-heavy, which probably plays into our strengths a little bit. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it doesn't matter how good the defence is. Obviously, there are going to have to be points put up on the board. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, whatever you think of him, He's not exactly inspired when he started wherever he's been in the league, has he? Let's be honest, he's had he's had different stints now in different places, hasn't he? He's been at Indianapolis, he's been at Miami, he's obviously been in New England. Whenever he's had the opportunity, he's never consistently won games. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm overly optimistic. I think your prediction of somewhere in the region of five to seven probably feels around about right, but it probably has to be more that seven than that five if the last six games are going to mean anything. Um, I don't think you're going to get anywhere if you've lost seven games out of the first 12, out of the first 11. Um, you know, you're going to be out of it by then, aren't you? So, um, it, it's a shame it is what it is. Um, but you know, they've obviously made the bed and they've got a lie in it now in terms of the decisions that they've made. Um, I don't think we should go for Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not going to touch on that too much. I know you covered it a bit last week. Um, but I think if they were going to go that way, the option was there before they did any of the other stuff that they have done. And ultimately, does it really guarantee you anything other than maybe a few more wins this year? What what what, what do you do? Let's play hypothetical. Jimmy G is brought in, and let's say he wins 10 of these 11 games. Do you bench him? I can't say you could bench a guy that wins 10 out of 11, and then if, if you get to the stage that actually he takes you to the playoffs... Are you then sitting in a situation where you're guaranteed to pay somebody 45 million and you're having to let the guy that's just had a winning season walk out the door? So I don't see how that's a good scenario. And obviously, you've got the rollover cap issue. So, you know, for me, it is what it is now. You roll with what you've got. Um, to be honest, I would rather see Joshua Dobbs playing based on what I saw in limited time yesterday. He's at least exciting. Jacoby Brissett doesn't really excite me. But yeah, I think probably five to seven wins based on the strength of the roster overall is probably fair. Well, you say you say if you, you don't win any more than say four, then we're in real trouble. I'm just looking back now at the at what we predicted last week, and oh, it looks like here, seeing as it doesn't look like we are going for Jimmy Garoppolo in any case, from what I've read online from the reporters and all the rest of it, it looks like Jacoby Brissett will start week one, unless there is a severe change in the. Um, in the background, uh, you had us down for four at a push by the looks of it. So on the back of that, is this season, you know, do you, do you hold out much hope for this season now after this ban has come in? No, not really, because my basis on, you know, I don't know where, where I got to in, my, in terms of my predictions last week. I would have thought it would have been in around nine wins, was it? Uh, so, um, just going up to, to week 12, um, because that's all I've got in front of me, you had us at four wins. 
Yeah, so I think, and that's probably basic. I probably gave Watson a win at the back end of that as well. And this um, is just Jacoby, mate. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't see it personally because if for me, if we win four games out of the first eleven, I think it's going to take Watson a good two three games to get into the swing of things properly as well. Um, and I think Sean nailed it. If if we're gonna you know, do anything this season is going to heavily depend on the defense. But for me, for me, they've had a plan to, you know, score a bunch of points and then, you know, that sort of negates teams from running on us. Um, And I, I wonder if now, instead of talking about Jimmy G, I wonder if now the plan sort of deviates away from having you know, all these young defensive tackles. So for me, the likelihood is they, they keep Jacoby Brissett. But I think what's more likely now than it was before is maybe they bring in someone like Sheldon Richardson. Um, because I think okay. I think they're going to have to be more dif- um, more stout against the, the run defence this year be- simply because we're not going to score enough points <laughs> to make the run so... Um, pointless if you will and that's that's what I think their plan was um, so I think if any plan's going to change from I think it might be that one Yeah, something which I did see quite a lot of yesterday was Tommy Togi just being shoved backwards and backwards Yeah, and you know that was kind of a running theme I think with our defensive tackles as well which isn't the best um, to continue on with this, uh, with this story and then I'll ask you a question Jen so Watson obviously gave his um gave his apology to Aditi King Kabwala the week before this decision <laughs> came to light. Um it, probably in the hopes of having you know being able to negotiate a better deal for himself. Um of course after this ban uh, was then announced by the league uh, he then, in his press conference to reporters in Cleveland, said that he stood by his innocence. And the Haslam's then, in a press conference, spoke of everyone deserving a second chance and actually used Kareem Hunt as sort of the fence post, saying, Look what he did with his second chance. You know, this works. Now, just putting aside for the second the PR nightmare of presenting two very different fronts where the Sean Watson's protesting his innocence and the Haslam's are going, well, he's guilty, but, you know, everyone deserves a second chance, which is exactly how it sounds at the very least, whether or not the Haslam's are basically saying that or not is, you know, by the by in terms of just their wording of it all. Um, what is your general feeling on... It, you know, just on how that was all presented, because, you know, I, I personally, I didn't know what to think after after the press conferences that day. I mean, oh, I have a whole opinion on this. I did tweet about it, um, but I just feel like we should never have gone there. We should never have gone for him whatsoever because it's just caused us so much trouble that's not worth it in the slightest but now moving on what what are your thoughts now obviously in this position and moving forward and you know any feelings towards obviously either his comments or the haslam's comments 
I just I'll cheer for the Browns, but I won't cheer for Watson. And there's a lot of people on Twitter that are like that. Um, I just feel like the Haslam's have just dug themselves a big hole and made people around the world that have been through that stuff make them feel worse, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. But yeah, I think the whole thing was a bit of a shambles, to be honest. Like, I think they've obviously put a, a written statement out there, which is what they wanted to come across as and then Watson's clearly gone out there and said the complete well you know nearly the complete opposite to what the the written statement is and then Jimmy Haslam comes out and from you know the snippets I've seen I didn't I didn't watch it all I'll be honest because you know I think all of us were finding it difficult that day to to look at anything Browns wise but you know, the snippets I've seen, he was getting frustrated with the media. He brought Kareem Hunt up, like you said, which I think is misguided because one is, you know, not anywhere near the same same thing. And two, you know, for Kareem Hunt to have gone through this re- rehabilitation process and, you know, started to clear his name to bring him into something so serious, I thought was very, very misguided. And, yeah, and I just think that that sort of press conference sums sums up the Haslam's ownership in you know in in a press conference for me and it's not very well thought through and yeah just very misguided so I think they could have handled the situation much better even if they hadn't even you know gone in front of the cameras at it I don't think there was any particular need for them to come out and speak in public two written statements I know the the written statements they did you know, a couple of weeks ago came off very, very badly. But for me, there, there was nothing to be gained from coming out and speaking in front of the media the way they did. So, yeah, whoever's advising them, I, I think, yeah, maybe maybe getting sacked uh, sometime soon. But, yeah, it just comes off as really misguided for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, essentially, what I could basically ask a, you know, better or worse, did... Uh, in, you know, off the back of it being given as an 11 game round, we all knew that more games were going to be tacked on. I think the consensus was something in the region of 10 to 12 games, really, um, especially when negotiations started on it. Uh, so the bans kind of by the by here. But in terms of how the Browns have addressed this entire situation, and you know, you can say what you want in terms of whether or not they thought that they were going to be in this kind of mire. Um, you know, do you feel do you feel better or worse about the Browns organization today than what you did last week? I don't think much has changed in terms of my feelings toward the organization, you know, from <coughs> the jump when we first went for him. Like, I don't think they've handled the situation particularly well in the media. And I think, you know, like I just said, but you know, they made the decision to bring him in and, and that was that for me. Like, that's put a stain on how I feel about the organisation personally. Um, but yeah, they're just going to have to learn their lessons really quickly when it comes to this, I think, because they're not going to get too many more chances to make such big blunders in the in the press without, you know, real, real backlash. So, you know, they have to be incredibly careful for me. Yeah, I agree as well. I just as soon as they announced that they were looking at him, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I had to step away for a good few months and think generally, can I do it? But 
you're too far in. You can't. You can't go. Yeah, I think that's what we all feel, isn't it, Sean? To a certain extent, and we've obviously spoken about this um, time of memoriam. Really, I'm very much in, in the in the park of it's it's too late for me to sort of step away from Brown's fandom because it's so entrenched, and one person isn't going to stop me from doing it. But by the same token, it's it's definitely made me think that you know the the atmosphere and the ethos and the culture of the club's completely different it's incredibly incredibly difficult we've talked about this haven't we in terms of i appreciate everyone's position on this and i agree with what jen's just said you know cheer for the browns not necessarily for the player but it's i've said this before he's not a star wide receiver that might get 10 targets a game he's going to be involved in every single play it's incredibly difficult to to separate the two I've been as optimistic and and you can probably now say as naive as anybody since the day this happened. I gave the front office far too much credit for doing any sort of due diligence. I thought his initial press conference, um, again, you can now look back in hindsight and say, you know, he came across as arrogant, unremorseful, et cetera, et cetera, but believing the words at the time in as much as give everybody the benefit of the doubt, innocent until proven guilty, all of those kind of things, um, last Thursday when this all started unravelling and more so when they started speaking it just got worse and worse the more that got said the more Mm. that got said and the way that it got said it just got worse and worse and it boiled down to a simple simple line in the press conference from Jimmy Haslam which really just summed it up they were talking about what had happened and he simply said let's not forget this guy's 26 and he's a superstar quarterback yeah. And that's it. That was all that anybody gave a shit about. And to be completely honest, I've really struggled these last few days. As you know, mate, we do the full 10 yards official podcast together in terms of the generic NFL stuff that we cover. I'm usually buzzing for the NFL season round about now. I'm usually watching every preseason game, listening to every podcast, reading every article, getting really psyched up for it. I've got to be honest, I really couldn't care less about the NFL season starting in three weeks' time. And that's a horrible, horrible thing to say. And I genuinely, as it stands today, I couldn't give a shit if we win or lose week one. I I'm really just couldn't. glad that I'm, I'm on holiday week one yeah. and I don't have to see or deal with it. There's, <laughs> I'm a, not huge, here. there's, a, there's right. a huge part of me, huge part of me, that wants Baker Mayfield to tear it up and go and grab his crotch or do something like Baker would do right in front of our bench. Because, you know, none of this needed to happen. And I like I say, I've been too naive to give too much credence and credit to the front office. I've said somebody should lose the job. I think it seems pretty obvious that this has now all been ownership-driven. I'm really appalled in terms of Dee Haslam. I thought she had more about her than Jimmy. I thought Jimmy's always been a bit of a crook, if I'm honest. But I always thought Dee was at least somebody that could even him out. And you'd like to think, based on the subject matter, that she certainly would have evened it out in this scenario. But the whole thing has just left me feeling really, really, really uncomfortable. And like I say, the more the guy speaks and the more the team speak, you know, he's gone from being innocent to never paying off for settlements to never accepting a ban to now settling 23 out of 24 or whatever the case may be. And the only reason the 24th won't settle, apparently, is that she said he's not showing any remorse and everything. And good luck to her. Absolutely good luck to her. Um, you know, but he's gone from not doing any of that 
you know, to like you say, that press conference, which was all just words, to then changing his story. The guy just looked more and more guilty by the day. Looks more and more guilty by the day, and it becomes more and more difficult to get behind the trade. And like I say, this season now just feels like a complete waste. I do believe everybody does deserve a second chance. Let's hope that some good comes out of it in the long run in terms of education, etc., etc. That won't turn the clock back. That won't stop any of the pain and suffering for any of the victims in in this particular case. But even the way that's been done, why why are the league paying a million dollars? Why are the Browns paying a million dollars? This bloke's about to get two hundred and fifty million. Just give it all to him. Find him the whole two hundred and fifty million. Why on earth does the league need to pay anything? What have the league done wrong? I just the whole thing makes me sick to be completely honest. Well, I I wouldn't say that the league is completely innocent in all this, especially considering that the league is made up of the clubs. And, you know, let's not forget the fact that the Texans aren't exactly innocent in all this either. And there's, um, you know, there's an argument to be made there. And the fact that they've settled with everyone that came up to them mm. shows that there is something there to be said. And I think that the NFL's ineptitude at being able to give a much bigger penalty. You know, you look at you look at baseball at the moment. Major League Baseball would give 10-year bans if they could. You know, they, they, they already come out with year to two year to five year bans on a whole host of other things of which the NFL previously has only done three games on. So this is it's virtue signal money, really, if we if we look at it with a with, with a shade of cynicism. But, um, you know, I, I, I do share very similar similar views there. I, I think it's been difficult to, uh, to try and get too hyped up for this season. I think that you guys have actually helped me more than anything, just in terms of, uh, you know, keep going on in terms of the Browns fandom at the moment. And it's, <laughs> it, has been, it has been more of a challenge. I think it's been more of a challenge than even the, uh, the Hugh Jackson years. But uh, but hey, we're not a completely pessimistic podcast, right? What we're going to say now, we're going to completely... Oh, are you sticking your hand up to speak there? Why not? I am. I just wanted to touch really quickly, and there's the last thing I'll say. Um, yeah. Sean summed up my whole feelings on the NFL season there as well, nailed mm-hmm. on. Um, but just the one thing that he mentioned at the end, and I, I agree that everyone deserves second chances, but what I wanted to ask you all was... If he's showing no signs of remorse and no signs of being guilty, like in what he's saying, do we believe that that is a second chance if he thinks he's done nothing wrong? Well, apparently he might not get back in. There's there's a whole rumour that apparently um, his reinstatement is predicated upon him going to counselling and dropping this completely innocent stance. That's something which I read today. And which, if that is the case... (laughs) The the only thing about that is, the the thing I find difficult about that is, we heard last week um, when they were sort of mulling over how long this ban was going to be and that it was going to be a year and he was going to get 10 million. And that was predicated on the fact that he'd shown no remorse to Sue Robinson. Then he comes out <laughs> after those rumours and says, oh, I'm sorry for every every person that I've hurt. And then when he got away with it and sort of it was only 11 games, it was only 5 million, then his tune changed again. So the 
The only thing I'd be weary of there is that he just goes to counsel and says everything that everyone wants to hear so he can get out of it again. And then he starts playing and, and doesn't look back from it. That's the, like, any apology that he sort of says from now, I'm just, you know, disregarding completely. I, I kind of did last week as well, but, you know, I just don't think yeah. you can trust anything he says, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, we we called it a faux apology last week. We, we sort of knew the deal, really. Um, you even said it wasn't even a statement of actual remorse. It was more to do with just people around yeah. and that's and that's exactly what he said you had that nailed on where it's you, you know he even used the word triggered yeah you know i mean my god uh, i i don't want to be one of these podcasts that you know basically goes into psychology and all the rest of it but you have to be a special kind of egotistical or deranged to uh you know decide that that's the best line of wording yeah. to go for but um, I, I'll tell you how I'm trying to get past this. I think that there's fault on a number of parties' sides. And the only way that we're going to be... Because there's nothing that we can do, for example, as fans. Uh, seemingly, the league works in a manner where, unless the NFL are going to ban him forever, there's nothing that they can do either. Because... You know, if, at the end of the day, everything moves forward in the league. Uh, the best we can hope for is, and this is this is probably the only way in which I see a comparison to anything like a Kareem Hunt story, whereby they, you know, he goes through what he's been mandated to go through, and it actually works. You know, that's all I can hope for at this point is that something positive comes out of it. Like, there are no other victims. There's no other instance where this happens, that this can be a next chapter. You know, realistically, I think that's the best we can hope for at this point and still keep a semblance of colour in our heart as we go forward with this. Because at the end of the day, we have, we've got four to five years of this. Well, four to five, you're looking realistically at 10 to 15, I would have thought. Yeah, so, you know, you have to do something to protect yourself at night, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right. Unless there's anything else, I'm drawing a line under this until, and I think that anyone that's still listening to this podcast and doesn't believe it's just virtue signaling at this point, <laughs> yeah. I'm drawing a line under it until November, minimum. And even then, we're going to probably be talking about impact on actual results. So, line drawn. Let's move on to some actual football, shall we? Uh, yesterday, the Eagles <laughs> beat the Browns 21-20 to in the preseason game. There were a few highlights, though. Um, Cade York hit a 50-yarder and then doinked to 55. Uh, Emerson Jr. continued to look good. He made a couple of uh, nice break at plays, I thought. Uh, Josh Dobbs, uh, Sean, you mentioned him earlier. Josh Dobbs had a really uh, nice, uh, gave a really nice account of himself, I thought, especially with that long run down the sideline of which he actually performed the kind of, you know, drop down the sideline, a little tiptoe mo motion of which most running backs can't get right. So uh, that was really nice to see. Uh, LeCount the third. Recorded seven tackles. I thought he was everywhere from what you could see yesterday. Uh, I think he's 
doing himself justice in terms of making sure that he gets himself a spot this year. Um, yeah, apart from that, a few other nice performances elsewhere. Is there anything of which you guys saw? Because I think that all three of you saw at least bits of it yesterday. Um, was there anything in which you were either excited or worried by? I think that the run defence showed his colours straight away. Um, as well as third down defence, we've got used to seeing you know our third down defence getting torched in big moments and it seemed like they couldn't do anything but convert third downs mm. against us for the majority of the game. But you know, looking at the positives, I, I, do, I do think it's really hard to tell you know, anything by these preseason games because you don't know, you know, whether it's second team, third team, fourth team even out there. But I think, you know, David Bell looked okay in the slot. He got into some nice nice positions, was able to sit down in the zone for the majority of the time. He, he you know, made a couple of good catches. I know he had one drop as well. Schwartz actually caught a couple of things for a change, <laughs> which is nice to see. But the one thing that stood out to me, and I, I was talking to a couple of um, couple of other guys about this, was when when that long Eagles touchdown was thrown in the second half. You looked at the route that that guy ran. You heard that he was what Olympic hurdler, and you thought that's what Schwartz should look like, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a deep threat needs to look like. You're a hundred meter sprinter. That's what you need to do. And you just don't I, don't, I don't see any threat of that from him at all. So I hope that, you know, over the first few weeks of the season that we can see something of, of that sort of nature from him where we see a real field stretch in play, that he gets deep and, and we see a big, big play out of him because that's what he's there for, for players like that from, from that Eagles player. Do you see many of those plays drawn up for him? I can't actually recall much last year of Schwartz being basically told to go for a go route. I think I may have seen it maybe twice. Yeah, I think I think there's elements last year. Obviously, the playbook was so limited with with the situation with Baker in his shoulder. So you know you'll probably have to give it a little bit of a pass there. But I think you know Schwartz's best game in a Browns jersey still probably was his debut, wasn't it? The one against the Chiefs. Um, you know, so he's got a lot to he's got a lot to do. I feel like I should tee Jen up for me. The exciting thing, yes, it was Cade York, wasn't it? Let's be honest, that was the most exciting thing of the day. I'm actually slightly disappointed on fourth and fifteen from around twenty that they didn't let him try and kick the field goal at the end to be completely. Uh, not not that one. The one right before the half. That one really annoyed me. We were uh, it was fourth and eight, I think, and they mm. decided to try and convert it. It would have been about 59 yards out or something mm. like that. Go for the kick. You've got terrible weather conditions. You're kicking towards the dog pounder, which is historically the worst goal mouth to kick into in NFL history. You've got a guy with a leg that seems to kick through shit weather. Perfect practice conditions. I've and and I think that the actual play that we ran was something that was never going to work as well. <laughs> no, surely, no, surely, surely not. not. Surely not. Not on four for nine, Josh. That's uh, <laughs> far <it>. too silly. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, no, not a chance. But yeah, no, Jim. What did you think of your uh, of your man Cade York yesterday? Obviously, he had that doinky yesterday, but I don't think any of us are truly concerned about that. No, I, th- I did feel bad for him when he missed that kick because he could just see in his face afterwards he was he was gutted. But as far as having him in the team, they've got themselves a kicker now. 
and then mm. he can win us games on points now. And I think that's what the fans knew as well yesterday when he missed it. They still clapped him. Yeah. They still cheered for him because it's been that long <laughs> since we've had a kicker. Oh, but some of, the, some of the stuff which you sent through to the chat, though, afterwards, though, of what, what were some of the um, Twitter comments of which came through? <laughs> There were some people saying that they should get rid of him. He's not good enough. They need to go and look for someone else. And I was just like, you need, just need to go and watch his college highlights because that will just yeah. tell you everything you need to know. KD or well, Gen certified. Yeah, I think the thing is with kickers as well, it's like, you know, even the best ones will miss, particularly from distance. The thing that was really encouraging, that 55-yarder hit probably three-quarters of the way up the uprights. Oh, it, it, it was good. You know, it was good from sixty. It was oh, really at, good from at, sixty. At least, at least, and that's what I say. You know, that, and that's the that's the exciting thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This guy has got a serious leg on him. You know, I remember Austin Seibert missing from fifty because he couldn't kick it fifty yards. <laughs> you know, this yeah, this guy, it, like, it, so he, he's going to be able. Didn't to... It? <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to look. Give her the opportunity. We said last year, didn't we? What was it? Justin Tucker was it sixty-six yards? Isn't that mm. a new record? Given the opportunity, he's got the leg to get there from 66. So, um, I mean, that helps if he's in a dome as well. Is he in a dome this year at all? Oh, that's a question. Atlanta, oh, that is a question. <laughs> Atlanta, week four. There you go. Away at the oh, there we go. Right. Book it. Atlanta week four. Cade York's beating the kicking record. A 66 and a half yard field goal. Of which just clips the crossbar and goes in. <laughs> just to give us all a heart attack. And that will obviously mean that we lose the game just 12 to 13. <laughs> Only optimism on this podcast, folks. Only optimism on this podcast. We got within a point. <laughs> uh, in other news um, there's only a couple of other bits of news but I realise our news segment has suddenly gone on for half an hour, that shows you just how much of the um, of, of the preseason is uh, mainly massive news content uh, Baker Mayfield has now been not, uh, told that he is the starter for the Carolina Panthers for week one and beyond, of which has ended probably the stupidest QB um, matchup race going. It was always going to be Mayfield. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but Mayfield versus Darnold hasn't been a thing since the first time they faced off against each other. Uh, I think that Matt Corral ended up with an injury, of which has um, put him out potentially for the season. Yeah, yeah, so I think that that probably put the nail in the coffin. But realistically, it was Mayfield's two to lose of which he did not and i'm just going to cause just a little bit more outrage before we come to our actual topic today nick chubb was only ranked 33rd in the nfl top 100 i think that's um someone should go to jail for that <laughs> yeah he's been at least the top 10 at least i do wonder if you know these voting processes have actually been um affected by the Watson stuff because Denzel we we spoke last week about Denzel being way way too low I think he was in the 80s apparently apparently the vote happened before the postseason that's even that that makes even less sense to me then there's nothing really that you can pin it on but yeah Denzel was way too low last week and now Nick Chubb you know 33rd yes it's, it's a strange one to say the least 
Yeah, for the next 25 minutes, folks, let's talk about 32 different players who are better than Nick Chubb. <laughs> just not going to happen. Yeah, I would like to start off just by going through the Hall of Fame list and seeing <laughs> who's not playing anymore and putting those in there, because that's how they've done that. But no, outrageous. But I tell you what, go around the hall. What, what, what number would you actually give him? Personally, I think he's probably about 19. That's what I would have expected him at, personally. Very precise, mate. You've obviously done a lot of thought. I've done 19 for a reason, though, which will come to light later on in the show. Oh, Good podcasting. Uh, uh, what can I say? Thinking, yeah, look, Natural, top, mate. Top, top 20, I would say, definitely. I mean, look, we're obviously going to be biased. I think he's probably one of our, all four of our, us would probably have him as one of our favourite Browns players. Being objective, he did miss a few games last year. Only had eight rushing touchdowns, so it's probably a down year statistically. As much as I still love him, um, yeah. But yeah, look in terms of his value to us, it, it's it's undeniable, isn't it? So hopefully he'll be uh, rightly recognised back in the top twenty next year. Yeah, he's maybe top thirty in terms of fantasy. Do you reckon I've just accidentally gone? Oh shit! No, it's not fantasy points. <laughs> Actual value. I digress. Right, let's get into the meat of this, of which will end up not being so much the meat of this now. We'll uh, do a little bit of a truncated version, but uh, we digress. Um, as promised last week, we are doing a run-through of the other teams in the AFC North, just to know your enemy and just get our general thoughts, really, on the other teams around. Three good teams, no matter how bad the Steelers uh, look on paper. They are definitely not so in real life because Mike Tomlin. So what I'll do folks, I'll assign you a team. Just sort of take me on a take me on a word journey around the team in terms of, you know, who they are, what they've done, reasoning how you think that they're going to uh, to be going forward. Let's uh let's go by how they finished in the division last year, shall we? Jen, let's give you some airtime. Talk us through the Cincinnati Bengals and try not to have too much of an LSU loving. All try. Right, I'll try and <laughs> just just wait until the college season starts again, and I'm a whole new person. That's um, all right. We'll give you your own. <laughs> we'll give you your own podcast on the fourteen yards yeah. network for that one. Um, I have not paid too much attention to the Bengals in the preseason. Not gonna lie, but looking them up before, they are currently losing two and zero. Now that doesn't seem too good. I know it's only preseason. We don't pay attention to preseason. We're, we're talking about <laughs> practice, Jen. We're talking about practice. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't matter about practice. Just yeah, it, it's more of a case of obviously you know you know we're talking about the Super Bowl Super Bowl participants here. Mm. So you've got to assume that they're still you know they have a quarterback that's playing on despite an append. An appendicitis uh, scare that included a ruptured appendix. Yeah, I think Joe Barrow's gonna come out with a chip on his shoulder and want to prove a point. Um, mm. Wanting to come out and get to the Super Bowl again. Yeah. And I think he, he has the team to get him there, but whether he'll get there is a different story. Yeah. So how did how did you feel about the Bengals last year? I have very strong opinions about the Bengals Super Bowl run last year. And anyone that does know think uh, will know that I thought they were the luckiest team ever in any NFL season. Um, just because of the way in which it all landed. Did 
you know, did you think that they had a squad and, you know, had the performances that were worthy of a Super Bowl bound team? And do you think that they could, you know, that on the basis of that they can get back there? I definitely think they have a team to get them there, but I do agree that they did get very lucky in getting to where they were in the Super Bowl. Um, Joe Burrow is probably one of the best quarterbacks, I think. And as for the backups, I just don't think the Bengals have the best backups. If he was to go out injured, they'd be straight. They wouldn't even make it out of the playoffs. Right. Okay. Now I see where you're coming. So basically, it's all about the the front, the first team. If they end up with injury scares, because they were one of the least injured teams in the year, uh, um, one of the least injured teams uh, of the year last year. So uh, essentially, they need to keep themselves healthy again and ride on that uh, once yeah. again. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a dip. Let's uh, let's open it up to the group chaps. Am I uh, am I and Jen being too hard here, or is that about right? Oh, yeah. seeing a massive head nod from a wine there. I feel like I'm about to get a paste in. <laughs> no, I just think the the NFL is all about offense, isn't it? And you know, you look at the Bengals and they're up there with the best. You know, skill positions. You know, Mixon, um, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and then you've got Joe Burrow throw into them. So. Yeah, I think, you know, when when they got to the playoffs last year, I thought I didn't know if they were going to creep in in the end. But as soon as they got to the playoffs last year, I thought they were going to be a massive threat to anyone just purely based off that. Um, I think defensively, they, they weren't great as a unit last year. I don't think, you know, you could pick out too many star players on that defence, apart from Jesse Bates, which obviously they're having massive, massive problems with. At the moment, I think he's um, a holdout as near the minute because they haven't signed him to an extension. So they, they're going to have an issue with Jesse Bates. Um, but yeah, I see them as a massive, massive threat going forward just due to those skill positions, due to how young they are on offense. And, you know, they seem to have sorted out their offensive line this year. So, yeah, I think they probably go strength to strength this year. All right, Sean, do you share that? I mean, personally, I look at it and I think, you know, there were 10 and 7 last year, which, you know, really, I, I could see a Jacoby Brissett Browns getting close to that this year, you know, even despite those weapons. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if they've necessarily improved, but, you know, what are your takes? I think they've improved in terms of where you would say their biggest weakness was. I think it was the offensive line. Obviously, there's the you know everyone knows Joe Burrow spent far too much time on the floor. Um, they've certainly addressed that. I think Lyle Collins is a is a really good addition. Obviously, he'll play right tackle. Um, you know the the two others that they've added to the line in terms of Kappa and Karras probably aren't two sort of you know at the top tier free agents, but they're both solid veteran pros. And to be honest solid veteran pros are probably an upgrade over what they had this time last year. So I certainly think they've they've made moves to address that. Um, I think the skill positions, uh, I think Owens just said it there, they're, they're probably one of the premier groups, let's be honest, yeah. in terms of the, the pure depth of those three wide receivers. You, you know, I hate to say it, you could make an argument, any three of those could sign for the Browns and be challenging for our number one wide receiver. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, that, they are that good. I think defensively, you know, was where they excelled last year. I thought Trey Hendrickson turned out to be a fantastic addition in free agency. I think it was a big risk based off one good season with the Saints, but he certainly proved 
his worth. He was excellent, made a nice one-two tandem with with Sam Hubbard. Um, I think, you know, I'd have loved the Browns to have been able to have got BJ Hill in free agency. He's the exact kind of, you know, run stuffer that we needed and potentially with them having DJ Reader on the books, you felt there was a chance, but that, that Bengals front is what the Browns want, isn't it? You know, that those two in the middle, Reader and Hill, they're not going to fill the stat sheet in terms of sacks and quarterback pressures, but what they are going to do is, is, like you say, stuff that run game. Um, you know, look, they can be gotten at. I don't think it's it's a, a sort of, you know, surefire thing that they win this division again at all. Um, I think, you know, for me, you know, we'll come on to the team that I'm going to preview in a bit. I think if anybody finishes ahead of the team I'm going to preview, they'll probably win the division. Um, we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah, look, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Let's, you know, let's be honest, they're not, they're not the basement fodder that they have been for the last few years and they're not going to be whilst they've got that level of quarterback play that they've got with Joe Burrow. So, you know, the Bengals are going to be around for a long, long time. Yeah, that's that, that is fair. But when when I make my points, by the way, I'm definitely not saying that they're uh, they're basement fodder or anything like that. I'm just I'm just sick of hearing that it's your, an almost automatic repeat um, because a lot went for them last year, and even to get to ten wins, they had a lot in game that did as well. Um, I think if they got back to ten wins, that would be that would actually be pretty successful with the schedule that they've got. But let's save the predictions for the end. Uh, you've teased us already, uh, already, Sean. Actually, no, sorry, I'm not even going to you next. I just realised the Ravens <laughs> actually finished bottom of the division. Uh, oh, wine. I'm actually coming to you next, buddy. Uh, you were tasked with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Naturally, new era in Pittsburgh. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, well, I think, you know, everyone's got the Steelers down as, you know, sort of nailed on basement of this division next year. And I think the more I think about it, yeah, the more I don't really believe that, actually. Um, I think people forget just how bad Big Ben was last couple of years. Like, he couldn't he couldn't throw past 10 yards at any sort of consistency. I think there was one game last season where Najee Harris, you know, got, you know, over... 25 30 touches of the ball or something stupid um where he was literally just running the ball or checked down to the running back literally every game so i think obviously the their quarterback position is a massive massive question mark but you know realistically looking at it they did they did get to the playoffs last year with you know we we talk a lot about baker mayfield and how bad that season was from him last season i think big ben's was probably worse and they they made it to the to the playoffs. So you look at it, and you know, is Mitch going to be as bad as Big Ben was last year? He could be, but he could be better as well. I think so. Do you reckon Mitch gets the job? Yeah, I do. I do think he starts the season for sure. Um, and then it's up to him how well he plays at the start of the season. Obviously, if he if he starts badly, we you know we're Cleveland Browns fans. If 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 you're <laughs> veteran starts badly and you've got a rookie there waiting then the fan base tends to you know scream the place down for the rookie to come in doesn't they so 
I think he'll start the season and then whether he plays well enough to keep it for any distance of time is the, the question mark. Oh, OK, let's play a game. And I, I do like <laughs> I do like playing this game when we preview the divisions on full 10 yards, uh, Sean, where if you've got a controversy, even at QB or head coach, it's when are they likely to make the change? So I'm going to go through their opening schedule. You tell me where they are likely to end up having to make some where where the tipping point might be. At Cincinnati, home to New England. At Cleveland, home to the Jets. Buff at Buffalo, at Tampa Bay. No, still nothing. At Miami, you sure? At Philadelphia. Is no one biting? I bit ages ago. I bit like three games ago. I, I think, don't know I how think many you're... of those games they actually expect to win, though. That's that's my question. Yeah. Mark. That's a strong start to the season there. You know, the Browns may be, may be one of the weaker teams there, considering, you know, who we've got playing quarterback. But I don't know how many of those games they actually expect to win. Jets and Patriots would probably look at as as the two that you you sort of think that you're going to win. Um, well, if I'm thinking like the Steelers, if I'm thinking like the Steelers, then New England, Cleveland, New York, Miami. Yeah, I, think, I think you've got to the Eagles game. The reason I hadn't bit at that point is that then is the bye week. That is normally the natural position and time that any sort of change like that would come. So that's, that's where I was going to jump at that point there because they then come back with... Saints, Bengals, um, Colts as the next three games. I think Owens just summed it up well there. They're probably going to start as underdogs in the opener in terms of the game with Cincinnati. Um, Patriots game, always going to be a difficult game. Browns game, divisional game. You know, like It's not the easiest of schedules mm. on paper, is it? Let's be honest. Um, you know, But I would fully expect that, you know, look, the Steelers are coached by, in my opinion, one of the top three coaches in the NFL. That's the reason they are as successful as they are, as consistent as they are. The guy's never had a losing record. Um, you know, so anybody counting the Steelers out, do so at your peril because they've proven year after year, despite what the circumstances are and what it looks like on paper when the chips eventually fall, they'll be there or thereabouts again come the end of the season. They always are. They're just too good um, to, to not be. So I'd, I'd imagine that Mitch does start, but like you say, you know, I'd imagine if it's going to be a change, it'll probably be eight games in. And you look, you look at the way this team set up. You know, it's no coincidence that Mike Tomlin's a defensive-orientated coach. They've lost Joe Hayden only really on that defense um, this season. They've still got obviously TJ Watt. They've signed Minka to an extension, so you know their whole thing is being good on defense. And I think they'll carry on being good on defense this year. And like I said at the start of this little. Steelers uh, preview. I just don't think you can get much worse than what Big Ben was last season and the season before. So I actually think they'll be fine this season. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, it doesn't exactly inspire me with confidence, but uh, we digress. Sean, take us through the Baltimore Ravens, mate. Yeah, so for me, this is the team that I would say opens up as favourites for the division, in my opinion. I think if you look, you mentioned the Bengals and how unfortunate they were with injuries last year. Oh, sorry, how fortunate they were with injuries last year. You can say the exact opposite with the Ravens. They just seemingly suffered injuries 
at all key positions right throughout the season. You know, they've missed time from Lamar Jackson. They didn't have a running back room before the season started. Um, you know, they lost the left tackle. You know, it just one thing after another, after another, after another. Um, and they still managed to be extremely competitive. Probably helped them at the back end of the season to lose the games that they did. I know we always have this argument in season that you want to win as many as you can, but finishing fourth gives them a massive advantage in terms of the schedule as well. Yeah in terms of who they have got to face. And you just look at the roster and it is stacked. Lamar Jackson, whatever you think of him, has done nothing but win when he's played in the league. The running back room is coming healthy. J.K. Dobbins was primed for a big season last year. Obviously never happened, but I think it will happen this year. And Gus Edwards is equally as adept as a backup. The offensive line has been strengthened. I think Morgan Moses coming in at right tackle. Again, good veteran presence. We'll hold that side down. Ronnie Stanley looks like he's working his way back. We'll probably, again, be good to go. Um, and then you look at the draft as well. They picked up, for me, two really, really good players in the first round. I know a lot of the guys from the college side of the full 10 yards crew were saying that he won't get picked as one of the top players because of the position that he plays. But in terms of his actual talent and what he brings, they all said, look out for Kyle Hamilton. He'd be a really, really good pro. The Ravens managed to pick him up. They then go and get Tyler Linderbaum in terms of a centre. Again, not a sexy pick, but it's one that's going to solidify that offensive line. And if you just look at that secondary in terms of what they've been able to put together there now, in terms of Marcus Peters, um, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Fuller, Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, it's a scary, scary prospect, the strength and depth that they've got in that secondary. Um, the only question mark for me is pass catchers outside of Mark Andrews. The wide receivers are obviously questionable. Um, you know, I think they're expecting big things out of Rashad Bateman. We'll wait and see if that transpires. They obviously traded away Hollywood Brown and haven't necessarily done anything to replace him, certainly at this stage. So that would be where you would be suggesting the issues lie. But with that said, the way that the scheme is designed and set up, you know what it's like. It's 150 targets to Mark Andrews and probably shared 150 targets between the rest of the wide receivers, and that's probably about it. Um, you know, so for me, they start probably as as favourites. You know, again, extremely well coached. Um, you know, it's incredibly frustrating, isn't it? Every year we see him in the lineup with a different head coach, and you still get John Harbaugh, you still get Mike Tomlin when it comes to these two. Um, but yeah, for me, the Ravens are, are the team I would suggest to beat in the division. Yeah, I mean, any arguments on that? I know that they're definitely my favourite for the division this year. Pretty much as soon as they went down to uh, to fourth in the division, I really kind of wanted us to chuck that game against the Bengals personally because it's uh, it's a little easier on the uh, on the schedule afterwards. But uh, yeah, any anybody else see the Ravens as not being the front runner? For me, they're the biggest boom or bust team in the NFL possibly this season. And I say that because of the questions surrounding Lamar Jackson. I think, you know, if they don't get that extension signed early doors and, you know, by the looks of it, that's going to have to be done within the next couple of weeks. You know, if he starts badly, I wonder, I do wonder what that does to the organisation as a whole. And we, you know, Sean's mentioned the pass catchers being questionable at best. I do like Bateman, but past Bateman, it's really, really thin really thin. You know, you've got, I think, Tylan Wallace is a second-year wide receiver there. Um, they've got um, the lad out of Texas, who's a third-year, but mainly a returner. Um, so, yeah, wide receiver, they're incredibly thin. And, yeah, you wonder if, if that last season was a, 
was the NFL working out Lamar Jackson or not? Because mm. you saw the Dolphins blitz the living deal out of him that game. And then after that game, everyone seemed to do it. And everyone seemed to get a lot of success out of it. So for me, Sean nailed it. That defence is is frightening. Really, really good. So for me, that's where the boom is. If If Lamar Jackson holds it together and plays well, they could be very, very good. But the bust is is quite considerable for me as well because I think if he starts badly, there's a lot of questions that that come up. A lot of Browns like turmoil starts to enter the organization, and then from there, you know, you look you look going forward. There's a lot of people saying Lamar Jackson goes to the Dolphins next year, and I don't think I think that's that crazy either. So it's oh, an man, I've just teared up at the thought of that. I think it's a very, very interesting, very, very interesting year for the Ravens. Yeah, I think I've actually just teared up at that. It's it's mad, isn't it? So apparently the hold-up, according to some rumours, is that Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed contract. And you wouldn't blame him either, considering you know what we've gone about and done this off-season. You don't blame him for asking for that, really, either. By the same token... <laughs> The Browns are suddenly playing 4D chess. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all of a sudden, all of this, what if it was all just a ruse just to get Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore? <laughs> and you look at it, you look at it going forward as well. Can you see the Bengals stumping up a fully guaranteed contract for Joe Burrow as well? Because I can't. They... Um, looks like a pretty impactful injury a year currently. Um, one being a leg injury, and the other one being, you know, admittedly appendicitis, but uh, still doesn't look good on the old um, insurance forms when you're filling out that three hundred and fifty million dollar four year extension, fully guaranteed. Well, they're known for they're known for low ball in their players. They've obviously already done it with Jesse Bates this off season, so I yes. can't see them. I can't see them stamping up a fully guaranteed contract either. So. You look at it from that perspective, and you know if the Browns manage to run those two out of out of the AFC North, then regardless of what Watson does or doesn't do, that could be a win just giving him the contract <laughs> in itself. <laughs> yeah, turns out it has nothing to do with Watson at all. We'll we'll, we'll just play with Jacoby Brissett for the next five years. It turns out that all we had to do was just stump up guaranteed money to get everyone else gone. Uh, the Bengals, obviously, their main issue is um, they're they're a family run organization. They don't have you know the the same kind of money as other franchises to guarantee the pensions so you have to be able to lock away the money in a in a pension whilst these contracts are ongoing you have to put that money lock and key away and the bengal's just don't have that kind of capital on hand it's why they've had to um finally add sponsorship to their stadium it's why they're looking at redoing their stadium up a bit to include more corporate areas they're trying now to put in more investment because they're going to have to pay these players eventually like you said earlier on when they have too many superstars in the offensive positions it does make you wonder as to whether or not their window is smaller than what you'd expect with most other organizations because they really won't be able to even pay any of them, let alone 
let alone all of them. They might they might only be able to keep one or two compared to maybe three or four. Yeah, I think it's a very very real uh, possibility. Right, so that's uh, that that's AFC North's uh, next year preview settled then you know what what's the deal with lamar jackson and will the bengals be able to pay their superstars that's sorted oh and have pittsburgh moved off mitch Trubisky yet so <laughs> that's that sorted in terms of this year um i want your one two three four for each of you for how the afc north ends up uh sean let's start with you you seem the most sure of yourself just on the screen. <laughs> Just on the screens, mate. Hawaii's currently in his darkness chamber, which he seems to have at least once a night. Uh, Jen looked at me as if I'd just said Beetlejuice's name three times, so it's uh, it's up to you, mate. Yeah, we'll go. I'll go Ravens to win the division. As I say, I think they're they're the team to beat. I'll go with the Bengals to finish second, um, the Browns to finish third, and I think the Steelers finish fourth. Fair enough, Hawaiian. <laughs> Ah, uh, oh, that intake <laughs> of breath, that glorious little intake of breath, as if, as if to say, "Please no." Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Bengals to win the division. I'll go uh, Ravens second, and this is where it gets real, real tricky for me. I think I'll go Steelers to finish third. Sorry, Browns fans, I don't want to do it, but I think we can Only optimism on this podcast. We we're only going to oh. go one and sixteen. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was speaking in 2017. Uh, <laughs> Jen, how about you? I'm, I'm oh. assuming a little bit more optimistic than uh, than Awine's six and eleven prediction, which I think it currently is. <laughs> um, I'd go Ravens, Bengals, Oz, and then the Steelers. Yeah. So I. It, See, now I'm doing the intake of breath now, and I'm the one asking the question. So I do think that the Ravens are the runaway favourite. Their schedule is far too easy. They don't have the injury worries anymore. They had a great team beforehand anyway. I think Lamar Jackson plays the season. Um, He's not as good as his MVP year by a long shot. He has only regressed. Um, and that might not so much be that he himself has regressed. He's gotten, I actually think he's gotten a bit better as a passer. I just think that, like Owain says, people have started to work him out a bit more. Um, you know, you you apply the pressure, you apply the pressure around the edges so that he can't move laterally. And if you look at the uh, road game that we played against Baltimore, the sacks came just because we just decided to give everything and force Jackson to throw. If he can make those throws and, you know, the wide receivers can make those catches, then happy days for them. But more often than not, you're giving your defense, you you know, you're giving your secondary a chance and you're giving your team a chance from that. Uh, In any case, they have by far the easiest schedule. I think they win. I, I think I've got them down as a, 11 and a half personally they're going to be around that sort of area i think that the browns and the bengals are going to be fighting it out for second even with jacoby Brissett, i have us down at around 10 wins personally um something around that marker and i actually think that the bengals are around the 10 marker as well it's going to come down to the head-to-head record against the bengals and 
I I believe in having bogey teams. I think that Cincinnati genuinely hate us, hate playing us. You know, I think that Joe Burrow closes his eyes at night and sees Denzel Ward in his dreams. You know, it's it's just one of those where, for rhyme or reason, they, you know, the Browns seem to do well. They, you know, realistically, we should not have done the double over them last year. There, there, there was. I mean, obviously, the second game was a bit of a was was a bit of a dead rubber, but the first game we absolutely had no right to win that one, really, when you look at it on paper, and you know, smashed out the park. So, I think that that's going to be a lot closer than people think. And then the Steelers aren't going to be as bad as some people have put them out as. I'm going to say maybe seven and a half. I think that's their um their over under. So. You know, there, there is some credence to that. They'll get wins where they shouldn't because they're the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're going, it's going to be those games which really annoy us as a fan base. Um, you know, I look at, for example, the game against the Lions, which they had last year, of which Flags essentially saved the Pittsburgh Steelers in uh, in that game uh, as an example. And there's going to be a, a few other examples there around. But uh, realistically, it's going to be around that sort of level. Right, Let's finish with some barking mad, guys. We didn't have uh, we, we we didn't have it last uh, last week. We might as well have a little bit of it this time round. We'll do it as a bit of a quick fire though, um, just because there's not really one main thing which has sort of like come about recently. Just a few little bits. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you guys saw this last week, but the thing which was really circulating um, Brown's Twitter last week was the season ticket holders got their gifts. Uh, as season ticket holders, and it was, I don't know if you saw it, it was an incredibly cheap-looking painter's cap, uh, which was an ode to, like, the 80s, I think it was, and a license plate holder, and there was a lot of uproar because of, like, how the Raiders have their little presentation boxes and stuff like that. Now, in Britain, I don't know if you guys have actually had anything completely different to it, but I don't know of season ticket gifts much, like, outside a little wallet holder or something like that um but you know what what do you think would be the worst thing to expect your club to give you can't say nothing but what would be the worst thing which you think would be plausible for for a club to give you and just if you've actually received any kind of gift it's been years since I've had a season ticket anywhere. And this, yeah. this whole this whole prospect of getting gifts for buying a season ticket, I just find the whole thing quite bizarre to me. Yeah, completely. because you're buying a place at the stadium, right? Yeah, I do I find it I do find it completely bizarre. However, with that being said, um I'm sure the three of you probably are as well. Um official member of the British Bulldogs backers club and to be fair they do send out some pretty cool merch so i do have i have a couple of the the bottle um i don't know what you call them but the things you keep your bottles cool in in terms of your beer bottles and everything they're quite cool oh the little like uh, cozy type thing yeah beer yeah. cozy yeah they're quite cool um so there's some nice little bits and bobs but yeah if you buy the season ticket you should just paying for the seat you should don't want the the freebies that come with it surely to go yeah, see, for me, if I think of like a worst thing they can give you, the, what the villa did um, previously was give them like a sticker to put on your seat to say, you know, this is my seat for the year. Like, and that was pretty much all that was in it, it was an envelope with that and the card in it. <laughs> you know, I, I think of a weird little cat and I'm just like, eh, it's probably a waste of fabric, but still. <laughs> 
anybody else want to throw their hat in for what would be either because personally i think that they've done all right there you know a little license plate holder and that you know is, is there something in which you'd be like you know you could be worse uh worst thing your organization could give you uh deshaun watson and all the drama that comes with it someone said it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> on, a, on a personal level, I've been lucky enough ne- never to have needed a season ticket. Um, so I've never experienced, you know, any any you know gifts to come with it. But I did, I did look at those gifts and uh, and laugh a bit as if anyone on this planet are going to wear those those caps. Um, <laughs> I really want one person to, and it gets caught by CBS. No chance. <laughs> There's no chance. Or like they have a day. <laughs> Bring out your painter's caps. It's a painter's game. <laughs> I think the only the only danger of anyone wearing them if they've lost a bet at some point um, <laughs> in the off season. But other than that, they're going to be filling up some uh, landfill sites somewhere. I think. So you're keeping the economy going, mate. That's what it's, what it's about. <laughs> Look, you got to pay someone in Cleveland to make the caps. <laughs> then it goes through Cleveland <laughs> recycling. And then you've got the upcyclers who then take apart the fabric and make it into something new that then gets yeah. sold for more tat. See, it's it's the way it works. Yeah. Cleveland still needs a lot more industry, mate. This is how you do it. Vicious cycle, that sounds like. Yeah, capitalism. <laughs> Cleveland Brits podcast, slightly communist from time to time. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, another thing of which sort of got Brown's Twitter up in a furore. Uh, and remember that I said the number 19 earlier? The number 19 seems to be very precious among some Cleveland Browns fans because Josh Rosen wearing the number 19 has pissed off a lot of people. And they're saying that the number 19 should be retired because of Bernie Kosar. Now, first of all, people seem to forget that Corey Coleman wore 19. And I would be just but as he pissed. was a bronze legend as well, so <laughs> don't count out Josh Rosen, he's going to be a legend. And, oh, uh, and that is all we can see of Jen this week. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, no, I can't have that. I, ca- no, I can't have that. That's, that's, a, that's a yellow card, Jen. If, if ever there was one, that's a clear yellow. Yeah, I do, I do find this retirement of shirts thing quite weird. Obviously, it's you know, it's for us over here and and soccer, I'll put that in brackets. Um, <laughs> We're a British podcast, mate. It's fine. Yeah. So our football, you don't really see that a lot, do you, over here? So it's a kind of a no. weird concept um, that they retire so many shirts in the NFL. But yeah, I suppose if that's if that's part of the culture, I think it is probably a bit of a weird one that they would decide to give that number to a camp arm. Um, but do you feel like Bernie Kosar, even even if you go ahead with the idea of retiring numbers, is Bernie Bernie Kosar worthy? I think if you look at the list of bronze quarterbacks that have beaten them, probably yeah. I think you know, look at what he's been, <laughs> what he's up against, and as a bronze quarterback, <laughs> probably is a legend. Yeah. Oh so. God, <laughs> is, is is that is that the benchmark though? Be above mm. average. I know. I think. I think if you're judging him off other Browns quarterbacks, we should probably be praying to him in a corner of our house, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah the, maybe. 
the 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 one thing of which it almost smacks me of though if that's sort of our barrier is um again a european football example and one that's very close to home um birmingham city retired the shirt uh, of jude bellingham when he yeah. went after dortmund despite doing very little for them not even dragging them into the premier league off his off his own back or anything like that and just leaving yeah. at the first opportunity and we'll just retire your shirt until you come back if you ever come back you know, it's uh, it does smack me just a little bit of that. But, uh, yeah, speaking of shirts, and this is the last uh, section of Barking Mad, did we all see the rather disgusting shirts that were being sold outside First Energy oh, yeah. Stadium yesterday? Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, Bitch Give Me a Massage T-shirts. Uh, not great. Don't recommend anyone purchasing them. Well, mine's um, already in the post. What are you on about? <laughs> But to, be war- to, but to be worn ironically, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what goes through your head if you're that guy. Like, what, what's he going to gain out that realistically? I don't know. Because like someone's going to take a picture of him and post it everywhere on the internet for a start. Number two, he just wasted a load of money on shirts that nobody's going to buy. I just don't understand what he was thinking going there with with them and trying to sell them. I can't understand what was going through his head. Well, let's see as to just how bad we can make it, (laughs) just for the last couple (laughs) of minutes, right? What would be an even worse slogan to put? Like, like, that to me was truly, like, terrible. But if you were to do a tongue-in-cheek one almost to, like, you know, voice your displeasure at all this. (laughs) Oh, God. Or just that the Browns organization in general. Dangerous question to ask while we're recording that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were drawing a line under all of this. I know. So <laughs> this is this, this is more this is more in jest though. This is this is merchandising. I can I can get around it. Yeah. Merchandising, Cleveland Browns, there's always next year. Because let's be honest. That seems to that seems to have been the case for the four team that I've supported them, that it's always next year, it's always next year. And to be honest, two years ago, you'd have thought, yeah, next year's the one. And then we had terrible injuries, et cetera, et cetera. You think, right, retool in the off-season, come back. And like I say, I know we want to finish with some optimism, but it is, it's just a real shame that the optimism has been dragged out of all of us, isn't it, really? Let's hope that week one rolls around and they actually put some good performances on the field and we can actually get back to enjoying it again. Uh, if anyone wants to message Awine personally, his Twitter <laughs> handle is on this video at Awine Jones thirty nine. If you want to <laughs> see, his, DMs. He loves yeah, them. <laughs> if you want to hear his suggestion, because it's gold, but there is no way that it's good for public consumption. Oh, um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> my my one personally would be something along the lines of I knew I said I wanted the Browns to win a Super Bowl by any means necessary, but this is ridiculous. You know, something along those lines. But uh, no, I think that after reading that one, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to stop things there. I think for one week. It's, you stand. You stand on your innocence, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Cleveland versus the world. That's the best one. No, I tell you what, that is the probably the perfect line. <laughs> that is probably the perfect line of which just about gets on that dotted line between the grey area and not. 
Yeah, I'm gonna have to cancel that order of that shirt now. It's a shame. That's actually a very nice shirt that I used to have on that one. It just made something completely different now. Well done, Jen. You actually made sense of that incredibly dangerous and stupid task of which I set for you. And that is why Barking Mad exists, folks. <laughs> So uh, let's look forward to next week then. We're going to be talking predictions, everyone. Um, you know, not just ourselves. We did that last week, but actually just the NFL season. We're going to get a little weird with it, as as we like to do. It's going to be a much more fun podcast next week. Uh, do follow us at Believe and Brit and also at our, uh, our network heads at, at Full 10 Yards. Uh, we also have taken part in the season guide, which they're currently running. The printed orders are now closed, um, so it's digital orders only now. It's £4.50 with the code BELIEVE10. You can get those at full10yards.co.uk slash guides. You'll see the digital one up there. Just uh, click that button and... Uh, all the profits made towards that will go towards supporting uh, little upstarts like ourselves just to keep the lights on because StreamYard isn't cheap, but also towards uh, some of the uh, fantastic work of which we've been doing to promote American football in the UK, such as, for example, the Baffa wheelchair football that was really good to uh to help support and also just to hear the stories of as well but you can see more of that at full 10 yards we're here to talk about the browns we will talk about the browns next week and keep it nice light and watson free that's it that's it from me jen sean wine thank you very much this has been the believeland brit podcast 